0: This is a relay project. Real talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson.
1: It is the twelfth of January, it's Thursday. And uh, John, I'm going to be honest with you. As I as I reached for my phone to, to double check the date, yeah, to make sure I got it correct, mm-hmm. I realized I do not in fact have my phone on me, Uh-oh. which means that I'm going to have anxiety for the next 75 <laughs> minutes or so as we do the show. But it's good; it'll allow me to focus 100 on on what's going on.
2: I think at some point you'll have a minute here during a clip or
1: something <laughs> to run and grab your phone. Run away! Phone yeah, no, no, I don't know exactly where it is. Which also, might be, oh no, here it is. Never mind. It was. <laughs> under a bunch of papers <laughs> we're doing our best to go paper free as best we can on the we show but, but every once in a while we do have a little bit how are you doing this morning it's I'm good to see okay. your face how are you doing? good we get andrew walker back today on the hedge he's yeah by, I, saw, I saw him yesterday afternoon he's mm-hmm. back from his trip to switzerland yeah i don't know if people were following him the host of the hedge one of our relay podcasts you can check it out at the hedgepod.com mm-hmm. he was over in switzerland for the holiday season. Uh, Watching his girlfriend play pro hockey over there. Yeah. And uh, looks like uh, from the photos that he was posting on, on Instagram that they had an absolutely fantastic time. Yeah. I catch up with him last night. We grab a bite to eat. And we're talking about the Oilers game. Yeah, uh, of course the Oilers playing in Anaheim last night, and and, and finally get a win. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and like Walker's, you know, his show is sponsored in part by Cool Bet, and and Walker's a what do I say? He's a, he's a wagering enthusiast. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> he likes to he likes to put his money where his <laughs> mouth is, right? So I'm talking to him last night, and I said, "What are you thinking about this game? What are you thinking about this Oilers game?" And he's telling me, he goes, wow. Well, he goes, I I have uh, McDavid for two goals. He goes, that's that's going to pay out here." And he mm-hmm. said, "And I think I think uh, he've had I got." feeling that zach hyman was going to score he was pretty sure the oilers were going to win by two sure he had he had put uh some money on the oilers scoring first mm. you know we're talking like 10 bucks here 10 bucks there nothing crazy mm-hmm. and then he goes he goes yeah he goes I, he goes I, I i just get the feeling he says i think the game's going to be like six two and i go uh Boom. I, I go well i go so why don't you bet on six two Because I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, can you bet specifically on scores? He goes, yeah, you can bet on whatever you want. So he cooks it up, and uh, it would have paid... Big time Like if you nailed The he exact didn't do score it. that He didn't do it so And it he paid, did it, nail yeah. it well, so like you it was, nailed you know, it It was like a, It was hit <laughs> No so I should have Hit it I didn't hit it But I was thinking as, as the night went on I thought this is why I cannot become Someone that gets Really into gambling Because you would Look at a situation Like that and you Would say I should have bet $10,000 <laughs> <laughs> And I could have Paid off all my debts And then you realize That the chances Of actually nailing The exact score Are very low it's Very hard. slim I
2: I remember I did my first bet with CoolBet, his sportsbook sponsor. I did a Zach Cassian to score first. This was a long time ago mm-hmm. first start of the show and it happened. Wow. But, and I bet a dollar <laughs> and it paid. It was a big payout though. Forty bucks, you know, so big payout. But
1: imagine if you would have bet a hundred.
2: Exactly. Or a thousand, right? <laughs>
1: you, you See, just, this is how we get carried away. Yeah. We can't start thinking like this. So so walks is back on the hedge today and you can check big that show. out. And yeah, I, I would imagine. Should we can we reveal who's on his Let's show? Or a is is, it, a, is yeah. it a
2: surprise? A big show back. Ron McLean.
1: There you go. Hockey
2: Night in Canada. Give Ronnie Mac,
1: Canada. Ron McLean, one of uh, Canada's in my mind, most esteemed broadcasters and that's going to be a great show today so you can check that out at the, the hedgepod.com I, I was uh, you know scroll my phone in the morning and just check mm-hmm. certain things out do you follow the Instagram account revived history no
2: I don't Should you got to
1: check this out so they do a lot of like they they colorize a lot of black and white photos or they'll tell stories of people through history like just really sort of remarkable stories and they post this one uh, this is absolutely wild and the headline of it the the lead you might call it caught my attention the Finnish soldier who went on a meth-fueled adventure in 1940. And I just thought, no matter how your day is going today, no matter what's going on in your world today, this is something that will put your day in perspective. So I was going to share this. By the way... Jay Ingram, esteemed science communicator, you know, prolific broadcaster, member of the Order of Canada. We've got the Order of Canada represented on this show two days in a row. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay Ingram's going to be joining us today to talk brain health. Uh, That's coming up in about twenty minutes, and I'm really looking forward to it. He was last on Real Talk. Uh, You remember he has that podcast Anthropomania. It's he's just the, the way that he tells science stories and makes them accessible and understandable to to plebs like us is is really special so i'm looking forward to chatting with jay he's on the show today so back to revived history this account on instagram so they tell the story of this guy this is this is absolutely wild his name is amil Kuivanen, okay, and it was the during the Winter War, or they call it the the Russo-Finnish War, a conflict that lasted from 1939, in late November of 1939, into early March of 1940. So you know, call it four months or so. The conflict saw the Soviets invade Finland, and while it only lasted four months, it was a fierce series of battles that saw a total of more than 25,000 Finns killed in action. The Soviets lost a staggering 127,000 troops. Try to wrap your mind around that in four months. The war saw the Finnish use guerrilla warfare against the Soviets, which involved Finnish troops attacking Soviet positions swiftly and then retreating. And so this soldier out of Finland called Aimo Koivinen was part of these attacks. So you'd have to drop in, attack, and then get the hell out, right? Mm -hmm. His story stands out because he became known as the first soldier to overdose on methamphetamine during combat. Here's how the story goes. So he's part of a patrol behind enemy lines when the Soviets detected the patrol and attacked them. Koivenden and his patrol began to ski back like they're not in jeeps or tanks. Mm -hmm. They begin to ski back toward Finnish territory when he started to get tired and the Soviets are closing in. And this is when he remembers that he had Pervitin uh, or Pervetin. These are pills that are made uh, of meth. Okay, in 1940. So it was used to boost soldiers energy. And uh, there's actually a lot of talk Germany employed this strategy as well in the, as the Second World War too, putting dude. putting soldiers on meth yeah. and like just really wild stuff acid and stuff yeah yeah so Prevetin was used to boost soldiers energy meant to be consumed in small amounts however and I don't I'm laughing just because it's outrageous he consumed this guy consumes with the soviets closing in on him 30 pills which is enough for his entire patrol this is a true story okay so this is going to kick off your thursday with a little bit of perspective okay he consumes 30 pills unknowingly like he apparently did not know to the good news is is he survives by the way everybody okay thank so he you. so he tells medical pro- did i spoil it um he t- he tells the medical professionals later he-, he was unaware that 30 pills would lead him to overdose so he be- so he begins to ski faster he begins to get away from the soviets Now, he said later that he couldn't recall exactly what happened, but he woke up the next day to discover that he had skied 100 kilometers. Uh, So he began to ski again when he woke up, still being chased, of course, by the Soviets. Soviets are pissed off. They've been attacked. So he hit a landmine, unfortunately, and was injured as a result, uh, at which time he decided to hide in a ditch to recover from his wounds while his body was suffering from the high dose of meth that he had previously consumed. He was still high as balls as they say so after a week of hiding in the gutter his hunger returned and so how does this guy stay alive injured from a landmine fleeing the soviets at war middle of winter he ate pine buds from pine trees and and he ate a bird that he was able to catch that he ate raw he didn't have means to cook it he didn't have didn't have the ability or the resources to start a fire so he continued to ski uh he was attacked at one point by another soviet patrol uh, eventually, he reached Finnish territory, uh, taken to hospital. It was discovered. Now, get this th- this has been several days, okay, since this happened, since he ingested th- these meds. Mm. Uh, it was de- determined when he arrived at hospital that he had a heart rate of 200 beats per minute. 200 beats per minute. He had skied a total of 400 kilometers, but he went on to live another 45 years ultimately passing away in 1989. This is insane. How about a shout out (laughs) to this absolute beast of a human being, Imo Koivinen. And how's that to kick off your Thursday morning? Wow, isn't that unbelievable?
2: I just followed Revive History. I gotta. Keep oh
1: man, up with Revived History is such a great Instagram account. We always try to share the ones that that catch our attention. I think the mm-hmm. previous one I shared was Nature is Metal. Oh, that was and, a great one. And <laughs> a lot of people, I'll run into people out in public, and, and some of them will say, "Nature is Metal." eh? it's a little, it's a little much. It's, uh, it's, it's the hard, <laughs> yeah. unflinching, uh, you know, what, what do we say, uninsulated truth of how animals interact and operate in nature. Yeah, but, but really amazing stuff. And by the way, we love hearing from you as well real talkers mm-hmm. so if there's an instagram account that we absolutely have to check out uh, you make sure you send it our way and we'll be blasting it out to the main audience
2: great story time to start the show
1: well, well, i just i was reading this i don't know, it was like this morning right when i got up and having my first coffee and i'm like this is a like you think that your day is going off the rails yeah. you think that things are going a little bit nuts in your world right now well look at the comments coming in everyone's wow holy crap <laughs> great story can you imagine days after an overdose on meth, your heart rate is still at 200 and you've skied 400 kilometers on cross-country skis. I
2: mean, don't do drugs, kids. Don't that, do drugs, kids. That's an kids. incredible story.
1: But that is an incredible story. And Keith Richards, meantime, is like, yeah, and? Yeah. Yeah, I'm we're sorry. like, hey Keith, how does that stack up to your Thursday? He's like, yeah, that sounds about right. Keith
2: Richards defies yeah. nature.
1: Yeah, we had a we hit the ground running on the show yesterday, and obviously, yeah. had a bit, the, the weeks kind of been pedal to the metal. But we, uh, we didn't have shows. Here. Yeah, we didn't have an opportunity to to chat about the Golden Globes, and I know that there were a couple yeah. of things that popped up in particular for you that were that were of note. Did you watch them live? Well, here's the thing:
2: this year I was so busy I didn't even know they were happening, and so I just looked it up, and th- you can see here the ratings are just.
1: Yeah, All time low, they say. Or
2: narrowly close, avoids like, an narrowly avoided, narrowly yeah. avoided. But I think we were talking about this today. This is kind of the way of the world right now. I don't think a lot of people tune in live to awards shows anymore. They catch the highlights on Twitter uh, or wherever they get news the next day. But one of the big stories, of course, and I, I'm sure you heard of this, was uh, of course Evan Peters winning a Golden Globe for his role. He was amazing in the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix special, but didn't didn't uh, give a shout out. At all to the victims or their, you know, remaining family members who may be alive. He's catching some flack online about that, which I can, I can understand. But at the same time, you've done this before. Have you ever had to give a speech and, and you forget some of the most important things you're supposed to say when you get up there yeah. and the lights are on you? But uh, yeah, kind of a big miss by him on well, that was- just giving a shout out to, hey, you know, this happened because... A, we talked to the victims and got some of their stories, and also their family members are still alive, still dealing with this hurt and this yeah. pain. And yeah.
1: that was a lot of the controversy swirling around that Dahmer series was just the humanizing of them. Well, and it was glorifying the suffering of people, and you know, it's a, it's obviously like a, I don't know what you would call it, like a docudrama or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's obviously. Uh, based on real things using people's real names yeah uh, and that type of thing but uh, did you watch that series i did
2: it was absolutely incredible but it was like phenomenal this is north america this is what we do killers are sexy to us ted bundy jeffrey dahmer yeah the, these dahmer are the biggest series was watch, hardly the
1: first one to these are
2: the biggest watch specials ever so yeah but uh, i i just thought it was I, I mean i get i get it he should he should have given a shout out but but again like can he just ex- accept an award and
1: and and and
2: and be like, yeah, I did. I did a good job, kind yeah. of thing.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's an interesting point. I can I can understand how how people might be upset, and I can and I can certainly understand how if you're connected to like this is a uh, uh, oh geez, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but it's it's a very it's a relatively small group of people, mm-hmm. the the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer or the surviving families of the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer, but that does not. Uh, They're still living their grief is insignificant. That doesn't mean that their pain is insignificant. And you kind of wonder if is society ready for a, you know, a a, a bigger picture conversation about this type of thing? Like, Mm -hmm. will there will there be movies made? I don't know, even as I'm about to say this, but like, would would there ever be movies made about like like school shootings or would there be movies made about things that really, you know, what about people that we heard about these nightmares in in long term care centers where you have these, you know, serial killer nurses and doctors that Uh over time are providing You know deadly doses of Of IV drips to Mm -hmm. people in the End stages of their life while closer to their End stages than they realize Mm -hmm. yeah where Do you draw the line
2: the victims kind Of get the butt end like even with Like the Wolf of Wall Street
1: like you know, it's it's
2: this mm. funny, hilarious, and again making sexy. You know, a guy robbing people of their life savings. Like, yeah, m- like tons of people. So there's
1: a new series out on on uh, Bernie Madoff right now as well. I've so. been
2: I watched both, so I watched the one with Robert De Niro, the yeah. real one, and then I watched the Netflix doc after, and it, that guy just incredible. That was a guy who, at least in the Wolf of Wall Street, he was selling people penny stocks and crap, but they still existed. Bernie Madoff. Fake trades. Nothing he ever did existed. He never made a real trade, and I think when he got arrested, seventeen years since he had made a real trade. One of the wild things about that
1: story was I can I can understand. Well, I can't say I can understand, but I I, you see a scenario where where somebody like a, a hedge fund manager, like whatever, someone that's managing you know billions of dollars. That takes a big swing on something mm-hmm. and it's a miss mm-hmm. uh, or that that goes big on an investment and it falls apart and it has big ripple implications on, on people's finances and people's life savings and nest eggs and everything. Um, but but the, it's a different type of story when it's this uh, ongoing, habitual, uh, recurring. Fraud that happens that like a Ponzi scheme that happens where you know like and I know I'm not saying anything profound here but Madoff knew the entire time that at some point the Piper would have to be paid well like it's not a deal that went sideways it was just stealing over a long period of time it's just
2: one hand took the money paid the last person who gave him money and he just kept going like that you know what I mean and he thought it would just I don't know what he thought would happen it would last forever but just absolutely insane how he had I watched it he had an entire floor in an office building in New York with with a team who would just make up fake trades send the results out to all the investors every month not a single trade was real continued to take money to pay those investors and just had to keep getting investors that was that was the whole scheme. Just of course take money here give it to these people need more money. It, it was just I it's you absolutely it's,
1: you're meeting some of these people in person you're shaking their hand the stress how did this you're, guy know you're, you're just gonna steal you're, you're looking people in the eyes like like you know ahead of time it, it, I mean there. Th- this is a common thread I don't think it's too far of a leap mm-hmm. uh, the same as Dahmer would yeah. you're looking someone in the eye in, in a different context of course but like I'm about to demolish your life sociopath in a significant way right and these
2: weren't like some people are like well the the you The rich kind of thing. Some of these people were like, if you watch the documentary, widows, couples who were elderly who took their life savings to retire and gave it to this guy $150,000, $80,000. It wasn't all people with millions of dollars, right? No. And they just, they're screwed. A lot of them just lost everything their homes. I mean, it's one thing to lose your life savings, but when you have to move out of your home, into like an apartment and start renting again when yeah, you get your a 60s, job again people 70s, that are senior citizens oh I mean, yeah cr- i
1: mean and then you think of, of yeah. some of the like the worst case scenario i mean well whatever you're comparing horrific scenarios but in some cases people you know will will elect to die by suicide or will die a by lot suicide of because they did. see no other option i mean this is this is i mean it's just absolutely horrific and i
2: mean he did pay the piper in the end i mean his his one son committed suicide the other one had cancer come back and kill him like 2 years later so it seems like karma caught up with him and then he died of course in prison and his wife stopped talking to him but i mean it doesn't fix there's his
1: wife stopped talking to him but i mean
2: he died (laughs) he died alone and in a lot of agony but he affected so many more people's Mm. lives so
1: it's hard to believe uh how about this from mindy on our live chat she says she just saw i haven't seen it mindy obviously take your word for it says she's just seen an ad for a a movie about the johnny depp amber heard trial like there's another one That's a divisive and polarizing topic. If you've ever heard one, I mean that was a real spectacle. And a, I think I, both I of them are how, just. I can see how yeah. that would 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 you know be movie fodder, and everyone's going to watch it, right? Of course, yeah. You know, we'll as a society we'll sit sit there and say, like that's really and that's really terrible. then we really pop ter- the and, then, and like we're by ourselves, and then we'll go stream <laughs> it and watch it, right? want to get to some news of the day as well as it comes up there's an update on Damar Hamlin which is really great the Buffalo Bills star that that of course suffered a cardiac incident uh, uh, more than a week ago collapsing on the field lucky to be alive uh, released from hospital Johnny's been following that story I want to talk about provincial politics as well Sapria DeVetti and I yesterday of course Wednesday uh, we release our podcast seriously in a a half hour or less we cut through the noise of the national news stories that uh, matter most and and one of those was the the, uh, kerfuffle Alberta and Ottawa are back at it again. Alberta's environment minister, former energy minister Sonia Savage, saying that essentially the federal government, um, and 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 no, of note, uh, she's a natural resource minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, uh, who we have an ask in with, by the way, uh, needs to stop using the phrase "just transition." They don't want to hear the phrase "just transition" anymore. They they say, and and this from from Alberta's premier as well, Danielle Smith, that it, it signifies essentially an intent to leave. The rest of uh, the oil and gas that's available as a natural resource in Canada, in the ground, in particular in Alberta. And the premier's office and the provincial government is, is spinning this as a uh, the federal government's attack on Alberta again. And uh, there have been some, some interesting developments over the past couple of days. Now, this this is all over words. This is all over a phrase. The provincial government wants the feds and others to stop using the term just transition. Now, if you're like me, uh, you want to kind of get to the, the heart of it. Like, what's this actually all about? If, if we eliminate all the distractions and the shiny things, what does this come down to? It, and number one, most obviously is, all right, let's call it something different. But what are we talking about? What's the conversation? What are we looking to describe? We're looking to describe the fact that Right now, oil and gas is very important to the Canadian economy, to Alberta's economy, to jobs in Canada, and and to people being able to function, uh, to get around, to heat their homes and the like. This is not not a, a controversial statement. This is an accurate statement that can be fact checked anywhere. I won't spend any more time there. Fact number two, of course, is that at some point, the world will transition from oil and gas. Now, we can argue about whether or not that's going to be uh, eight years from now. It's not. Or 15 years from now. Well, we we'll would be getting there. Or, or 50 years from now. Absolutely, 100 percent, undeniably. Does anyone disagree? Uh, the Harper conservatives didn't disagree. Uh, nobody, I think, in their right mind would disagree if you're paying attention to where industry is going, if you're paying attention to where tech is going. So the third fact is that people that are working in the energy industry at some point will need to start thinking if they're at that point in their careers where they've, they've still got miles ahead of them, where they've still got a lot of good years in them, and they intend on keeping on working, they're going to need to diversify their skill set, find new opportunities, and make sure that their experience translates into jobs in that new economy. I don't think that's controversial either. So really... What's this all about? It's saber rattling, right? There's a provincial election coming up in May. Now, Supriya and I talked about this yesterday, more at length than we'll get into now. And I want to encourage you to download that episode. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Seriously with Supriya and Ryan, or just link to it directly from seriouslypod.com. You can find it on YouTube as well. We get into what an appropriate response to, to this, this fight is uh, from the feds and from the province. Well, just yesterday, Graham Thompson, you know, longtime political reporter, he's joined us on the show several times. Graham's been covering goings on at the Alberta Legislature for thirty years or so, and he's very well respected. He took center stage and had an opportunity. Well, Alberta's Premier daniel Smith was at the podium to ask her a couple pointed questions. Now, this is a longer clip than we would typically play on the show, but but that's something that we're proud of. It's about Two and a half minutes. I'm not going to take 15 seconds and try to unfairly spin an argument. I want you to hear this exchange between journalist Graham Thompson and Premier Danielle Smith in its entirety. And you tell me what you think about the fact-checking that Graham does and the response that the Premier has. Oh, thank you.
2: Um, premier, you said that you think that the federal government's out to basically destroy the oil and gas industry in Alberta. If, if, if that's their aim, to do that, then why are they spending more than $20 billion to expand the
1: Trans Mountain Pipeline?
3: Well, and I'm very hopeful that, that that gets completed. I'm I'm glad that they did make that decision, but I, I would put that in, in perspective that they didn't stand up for us when the Keystone XL pipeline got canceled. They did cancel the Northern Gateway project, even though it had been approved. They put barriers in the way uh, so that Energy East pulled the plug on their um, pipeline project, and they also created a regulatory process that didn't allow the front the Tex Frontier Mine to go ahead. So I guess when I balance one project against the tens of Billions of dollars that have been canceled. That's why I, I question whether they have a commitment to making sure that our oil and natural gas workers remain. Uh, in a strong and vibrant industry. So the the point that I would say, I've I've been watching over the last couple of months as well, I I guess it's over the last year, when they launched this uh, proposed emissions cap on oil and natural gas, where they want to propose a specific emissions cap on our industry of 42% by 2030, knowing that we're not going to be able to have the carbon trunk line built by then. We're not going to have small modular nuclear rolled out by then. So if you don't have the technological innovation in place at the time that you're, you're, you're setting for achieving your target, it's a production cap. That's the only other way that you can achieve it. and That's why I'm, I'm concerned that they keep putting forward these aggressive targets. I think they're sending a very mixed message. I think that we can achieve emissions reductions, but we have to do it over a timeframe that makes sense for the investment in the industry and also the technology when it becomes available. That's what, that's what we're working with the federal government to make them understand that.
4: All right, now you could argue, of course, that um, Northern
2: Gateway it was a federal court that, that uh, yanked the approval for that because the previous federal government had not done enough work when it comes to First Nations consultation
5: and looking at the environment. Um, of course, the Keystone XL pipeline—that was that was Joe Biden. That was a federal decision in the U.S. That we had no control over. But
2: when you First, began answering your question. It sounded like you're saying you hope that Northern, sorry, you hope that Trans Mountain would go ahead. Do you have any doubts that the federal government will actually finish that project?
3: It's. Uh, I know that there have been significant uh, cost overruns on the project, and I think I've heard Krista Freeland say that she is not intending to put any more money into the project so i'm watching with interest how they bridge that gap to get to the the finish line on it so um i'm i'm hopeful that uh we we're able to open it up on time but i i do know that it had it because of the way it's been managed it's had significant cost overruns
1: okay so that's Alberta's premier in, in in conversation in an exchange with journalist Graham Thompson, and and I think that it's important for us to to while some of these things may be obvious and apparent, to keep them in mind and to remind ourselves about some of the facts that need to inform our conversations about what is going to be a major issue in our home province of Alberta over the next number of months, right? And that is Ottawa's disdain for Alberta or lack thereof, depending on your perspective. And I thought Graham does a really good job there, reminding the premier, she doesn't need to be reminded. She knows that some of the things that are being laid at the feet of the prime minister are, in fact, outside factors. You know, was it Stephen Harper's conservatives that should bear the brunt of the criticism for failing to participate in the consultation and, and, and acquire the so-called social license to plan pipelines through sensitive, uh, unseated territories on B.C.'s northwest coast? as an example or does it make sense to lay at the feet of canada's federal government a decision that was made by the at that point incoming president of the united states you remember literally the day that joe biden sworn, the day of the inauguration he signed about 15 documents and one of them was to, to the death null for the keystone xl pipeline now this is not to be an apologist for justin trudeau or for the federal liberals and certainly there should be fair questions around what the federal government's plan is to assist alberta and Alberta economy and Alberta's workers in transitioning forward it's hugely important and relevant to the rest of Canada I want to also draw your attention to a great piece by a, a friend of this show Andrew Leach uh, who writes at the cbc.ca that you're, you're not quote going to blunt the pain of a world shifting away from oil by relocating some government payroll offices in Fort McMurray you know my words not his in other words there's no quick fix he says the energy transition is Going to be painful for oil workers. For many oil workers, it already is. While Premier Smith argues that the Prime Minister's key aim is to destroy the oil and gas sector, perhaps his just transition message has a different overarching goal. It's to help other Canadians, often out of touch with the realities of the oil sector, imagine its workers seamlessly finding work in new fields. Such warm and fuzzy notions minimizes the real cost of change. I like how he gets us thinking about that. Language is obviously so important. It's so relevant. The words just transition. What do they mean to you? How does this land with you? course this is where we put it back over to you real talkers and ask you to send us your thoughts and where your head's at on this are you an energy worker that's being impacted by this are you someone who believes that the right words are being used or the right approach is being taken are you absolutely pissed off about where this is going and you'd like to participate in trash talk coming up on tomorrow's show presented by local environmental services uh, no matter which of those boxes you tick you can send us an email anytime to talk at ryan jesperson.com we will get into the mailbag a little bit later on in the show as well we had some feedback from from some of you that that, that uh, are continuing uh to, to point us in new directions on our talk this week <laughs> we had no idea they would have these legs uh about vaccination status and, and qualifying for organ transplants we did get a couple more emails yesterday and we want to get to those Uh, as mentioned trash talk is presented by our friends at local environmental services every friday on the show and it gives us an opportunity to remind you that if you're living or working in particular running a business in alberta or saskatchewan This is a great time to keep it local. You can view their services online at localenvironmental.ca. And as you can see, no matter what your scenario is, whether it's a basement purge or a roofing job, maybe new siding going up on your home, maybe part of a bigger facelift, a nice reno. They've got those front load bins you see people using, roll-off bins for retail locations, big malls and and libraries, public buildings, private enterprise. Of course, they participate in in recycling work as well uh, out of their office. Office In Regina, they continue to grow their footprint across the prairies. Really remarkable stuff. Landfill services, water hauling, vacuum trucks, portable toilets, fencing, you name it. Even residential garbage pickup. Local Environmental Services is all about keeping it local. Still family owned at localenvironmental.ca. If you happen to watch this show on YouTube, you see this beautiful studio that we're we're so proud to operate out of in Edmonton's historic Mercer Warehouse. This studio was built by the amazing team at Complete Care Restoration. And, And we often say, and I continue to remind you, they're the only Real Talk sponsor that hopes you never have to get in touch with them. However, if the fates see you dealing with flood damage, Fire damage, heaven forbid, mold and asbestos removal or anything else. The team at Complete Care Restoration would like to remind you that you can inform your insurance company which business you'd like to do the work. And with two thumbs up, we recommend the team at CompleteCareRestoration.ca. Now... If you're looking at maybe a different kind of facelift, maybe you're looking to get your life organized in 2023. You're sick of all the piles of stuff. You're sick of the disorganization. There is nowhere better to turn than the talented design team at California Closets. It all starts with a free... Design consultation. Whether you're looking to take a walk in closet to the next level, whether you're looking to turn your boot room into a beautifully usable space, or maybe you want a show stopping installation in your living room or kitchen, California Closets does it all. C- custom closets and storage solutions for the whole home, including your garage. You can get your free quote today. Request a free consultation like my wife Carrie and I did a number of years ago at californiaclosets.ca. Well, this is uh, back-to-back days that we've welcomed a member of the Order of Canada to the show. A really neat opportunity to check in with someone who I've admired for many years for the work that he's done, keeping Canadians up to speed and informed, in matters of science. Sometimes it's medicine, sometimes it's outer space. Jay Ingram has been a stalwart in the Canadian discussion around the stories that matter. He's an author, a renowned broadcaster, and as mentioned, a member of the Order of Canada. He has the ability, as you're about to see, to address complex issues in non-technical terms, which has led him, that's part of the reason why he's here today, to advocate for early detection and reducing the risks of Dementia. He's the host of the Co host of the Anthropomania podcast and a good friend of Real Talk. Jay, it's nice to see your face. Welcome back.
5: Good to be here, Ryan. And I'm still thinking about that guy, Covenant. Oh. I just can't believe the numbers, you know. Hundred kilometer cross country ski, two hundred beats per minute pulse, absolutely incredible. Uh,
1: I, I I'm trying to wrap my mind around. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, being pursued by the Soviets, and so you know, like your life is in danger, and you you know that like you're you're literally fleeing for your life. But then getting to the point where Jay, like we said, uh, days after ingesting these methamphetamines, his heart's still beating at two hundred beats a minute. Like just like just from a scientific standpoint. Can, can you talk to us like what would happen your blood's beating at your your heart's beating at 200 beats a minute like is your blood thinning is your brain like what's what's actually physically going on with you at that point
5: well you do need a cardiologist for that but i would say that i don't see how you can maintain a pulse of 200 for that long i mean that's you know when most of us are averaging 70 65 beats a minute and you're and you're going 200 for days i can't okay, i don't get it
1: unbelievable stuff next level it's why i thought we'd lead the show with it i just thought you know every once in a while we need a bit of a perspective check hey what got you i mean i know you've been you've been fascinated obviously by by the the human condition and and the 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 world around us and science and space and obviously you've dedicated your celebrated career to it but but what's led you to to take on this this new project you're 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 pretty significantly involved in kickstarting a canadian conversation around brain health
5: well, and specifically dementia, and really of all the dementias, because there are several, uh, Alzheimer's disease. You know, I've I have had a fair amount of it in my family, both um, in-laws and my mother and several of her sisters. Um, and then I wrote a book about it. But, you know, I didn't write a book, this was a few years ago, uh, because of my mother. I wrote it mostly because I feel that we're all touched by it. I mean, I defy you to find somebody that doesn't know somebody or hasn't had contact with somebody that is living with Alzheimer's. And I just felt that it was important to know more about it. And the reason I'm here today talking to you is not so much about my book, but about the fact that it's really surfaced a lot in the last, say, 10 years, that there are risks for, al- Let's let's focus on Alzheimer's, risks for Alzheimer's that you can actually do something about. Mm. And I feel people don't know enough about that. And if they did, they would take some steps, you know, you lower your risk a little bit, uh, that might mean you never get it. It might mean you live more years in case you do get it. Um, it's just really, really important, I think.
1: So when we're talking about mitigating risk with Alzheimer's, is this the type of thing where, you know, some of our younger audience members, you know, you're, you're like 19, 20, 21 years old. You want to start thinking about this? Is this for people in middle age or people at an advanced
5: age? That's a really good question. And the answer is it's good for everyone. There are some risks that uh, appear to be more important earlier in life. The critical one, and you know, it's a bit of a puzzle as to how you deal with this, but is, the longer you stay in school, the more you lower your risk. And it sounds unbelievable, right? Because I'm talking, you know, stay in school till grade 12. And yet 50 years after that, if you had done that, instead of leaving school earlier, your risk would be less, significantly less, like seven or 8% less of all the risk that you can control. But the, you know, the question is, how do you I mean, you really have to talk to parents, right, to encourage their kids to stay in school. You have to ensure that governments make it easy for kids to stay in school. But that—that that is one of the largest risks. And it's hard to tell people my age, hey, you know, you should have stayed in school longer, because it appears there's not an easy way to replace that bonus lessened risk by staying in school.
1: What about... Going back to school, we we talk a lot about, uh, you know, a great friend of the show, Athabasca University, there's a lot of adults that will go back and whether it's taking one course to learn more about something like AI or whether it's enrolling in a program, are there benefits if you're 65 yeah. or 70 to going back to
5: school? You know, I I think there are benefits and they may be different than the benefit that you get by staying in school when you're 10 or 12 years old. Uh, So for instance, social interaction when you're older is really, really important. And that's why it was so tragic during uh, the worst phases of COVID when you saw people in long-term care homes who had to interact with their family through a window. I mean, at that age, the risks, if you don't have adequate social contact, if you're not talking and interacting with people all the time, your risk is elevated. The thing about early education is that's when the brain is starting to mature and develop new neurons and new circuits in the brain. And there may be something special about that. But, um, you know, your your question is a good one because I think that there are things that you should do for your general health that will have a knock-on effect on lowering your risk for dementia. So for instance, these are things that I suspect a lot of people listening to us already know. Don't smoke. Uh, If you're gonna drink, keep it under two drinks a day average. It's uh, anything above that, uh, you're raising your risk for dementia. If you've got high blood pressure, hypertension, super important, even when you're like 30 years old, start getting that under control. If you have diabetes, treat it. So these are all things that, you know, you and I would say to anybody, these are good things you should do to lengthen your life. Stay physically active, another really important one. But they all have been shown to increase your risk of dementia. If you add, there's a few more I can talk about, but if you add all of these up and try and do something, change a habit here or there to address these, you can reduce your risk by something like forty percent, which is huge. No, uh, it's it's that's what gets me going on this because um, people don't know this. Um, I'll give you I'll give you another example. I I have hearing loss, right? So I wear hearing aids. Okay. Hearing loss. If I weren't wearing hearing aids, hearing loss would raise my risk by about eight percent. It's almost or almost equally as significant as early education. And for a while, people were worried that maybe hearing loss really is just part of the early syndrome of Alzheimer's. But now it looks like hearing aids actually help. So that's wild. You know, if if people in your family, if your kids are saying, you know, you really should get your ears che- checked. And there's this what I think is a stupid stigma that people don't want to be seen wearing hearing aids because it makes them look old. Well, now, you know, 20 year olds are wearing earbuds all the time, um, but 8%, that's that's huge. Yeah. And then anyway, you know, there's uh, one of the difficulties in getting this message across is sort of how to package it because there's other things like traumatic brain injury. Well, you know, if you're a bike rider, I'd suggest wearing a helmet. If you're doing anything that, where there's a risk of physical contact head on head, Um, Obviously, uh, hard, uh, you know, hard hats and construction sites. One incident of traumatic brain injury raises your risk.
1: You're not uh, you're not monitoring our live chat right now, are you? My chance. Oh, there's a, there's a, a how many
5: things do you think I can do at once? I (laughs) I don't know. I
1: (laughs) I mean, you know, you're, you're earned a membership to the order of Canada for work on science. So I would say that you could probably do several things at once, but, but uh, I just happened to say that because there's a, there's a a cyclist that's in the live chat right now, who is a survivor of a traumatic brain injury. Who's talking about how it's always in the back of his mind. Uh, His name's Brad. uh, And he's talking about how it's always in the back of his mind, this type of stuff. And so I just thought it was interesting timing that you brought it up. So,
5: So I would say to Brad that just remember, um, you know, this might be uh, two, I I can't remember the exact number, somewhere between 1% and 2% or maybe 1% and 3% for the increased risk that he might have. He can overcome that. The fact that he's actually a cyclist is already lowering his risk because that's physical activity, which, you know, is a lot easier to get into the habit of when you're young than you know, when you're 80 years old. So that's something along with um, social interaction, really important. So, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth uh, famously came out a few weeks ago, because he found he had uh, sort of a not a great genetic combination that he'd inherited from his parents, and that he was going to rethink his life. And, you know, my reaction was, yeah, sure. So do all these things, there's 12 things. And you can you can look at these all, At Canada.ca slash dementia, Uh, things that you can do. And his genetic risk, it is a significant risk, but he can address most or all of it by doing all the other risk reducing um, habits that we're talking about. So, you know, it's, I might have, I'm probably inherited at least one bad gene from my mother, but I'm not going to fuss about it because I'm just going to do everything I can to reduce my risks in these other ways.
1: Yeah, it's, isn't it a, it's an interesting conversation. This is, uh, th- these are the styles of of uh, <clears throat> interactions we endeavor to have on the show. The ones that, that are just the same ones you'd have in, 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 in real life settings, like at coffee shops, where, you know, if you knew the day you were going to die, or if you knew, were able to know the cause of death, your death, ahead of time, would you want to know it? And it's it's always an interesting Debate and people will answer those questions differently me I don't want to know if I did know I would just become this sappy sentimental mess and, and I think that I like to approach every you know living every day to the fullest treat every day like it's your last but in the context of understanding genetic predisposition in the context of understanding where you or I based on our DNA based on our family history are more at risk of something the more information the better you know, wouldn't you rather know if, if your family was susceptible to I mean, and, and then there's on the flip side of course. I won't get too whimsical here, but 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 then there's the element of not being able to do something about something. And if you yep. can't do something about something, then do you really want to spend your middle age into your, you know, the autumn of your life worrying and thinking about it all the time, and I might argue no there.
5: Well, you know the, and that and that really harkens back to what I was saying about let's say you've uh, endured one traumatic traumatic brain injury. Um, there's two ways to look at that. One is the way I suggested that, okay, a bunch of other risks, let's reduce them. Let's reduce them to the point where we've compensated for that uh, brain injury. Um, the other would be to, you know, not do anything and uh, be concerned about your life. And, you know, it is true that some of the factors that raise your risk you can't, it's very, very hard for you to personally deal with. One of them is air pollution. Well, you know, you live in a house, you're not going to move. You may be close to a freeway. There's more air pollution there than elsewhere. You're really, your only recourse, I mean, you could move, I suppose. Your only recourse, though, is to ensure that uh, your governments are taking steps to ensure that air pollution is reduced all the time. And You know, the funny thing about Alzheimer's is that even though the number of cases is increasing, we're we're at about, I'd say uh, something over six hundred thousand in Canada right now, heading for nine hundred thousand by twenty thirty. But the actual rate—that's mostly because we're getting a big bulge of older people. The boomers are moving into that age. But the actual rate is is declining slowly, and it's thought that that's that early education piece Mm. that. Fifty years ago, there were many more people who didn't who didn't go very far in school. Now that's being addressed and has been addressed, and we're seeing the rates go down. So, you know, there's hope here. And um, I would let's put it this way: I, I keep a fairly close eye on the potential treatments for Alzheimer's, of which there are none. Yeah, no cure. No, there's no cure. There's a couple of drugs that have uh, just been approved by the FDA in the states, but Honestly, their effect is marginal. There are significant risks of, it looks like, of cerebral bleeding if you take these drugs. And they're going to be hellishly expensive. So in the meantime, because I'm confident that in like 10 years, there should be drugs that are affordable. But in the meantime, there are these things we already know that you can do. And again, I don't want to keep hyping the website, but Canada.ca slash dementia, the list is there because, you know, we've talked about a lot of them. And uh, it's just, it's a really important thing to take on. And we're, we, um, we're sort of talking about change one habit, hashtag change one habit. So what about you, Ryan? You, you hear all these things I'm talking about. Yeah. Is there something that occurs to you that you know, maybe I should do this Exercise. I know you play hockey, so you're okay. But, yeah, you know. but
1: no, Jay. I play hockey and basketball, but then we go for beers after, so it's it's always like it. It they sort of cancel themselves out, you know. Um, I was okay. I was listening and and uh, you know in just endeavoring to live a more healthy lifestyle. Some of the things that I want to do, which is exercise more and drink less, that's two things. Um, yeah. It's always nice to hear that there are benefits in, in in sort of multifaceted ways. I wanted to circle back to the drinking actually, okay? B- because if you you know people joke about this but it's also not funny. Um, you know, people that that do have, you know, uh, let, let me say involved social lives, the social butterflies, the people that are out, the people that that have working lunches and cocktail receptions and and basically the people that if we're being honest, no bullshit, the people that drink all the time when they talk to their doctors and they have their annual physical, hopefully people are going for their annuals. And if they go and the doctor says, well, how much alcohol, how many units would you consume in a week? And they'll say heavy drinking is like, you know, 12 to 20 drinks a week. And people go a week. Like some people think that's a day. You know, you say you shouldn't drink. You shouldn't drink more than two drinks a day. What I wanted to ask you about is what you're noticing with the younger generation, because I keep hearing and I keep noticing that this generation coming up, I'm talking like, you know, the the, the 12 year olds to the 30 year olds right now don't have this affinity or this this fascination, this drive. They don't seem to have as strong of a drive to binge drink. It's it's, it's actually a a, a wonderful and encouraging development. And I was wondering if you had any insight into that.
5: Well, we do have weed now. True. That's part of it. But, uh, well, I'll tell you a personal story. Uh, for other medical reasons, um, I was advised, uh, and I never drank a huge amount, but I was advised to stop drinking about three or four years ago. So, you know, I was really lucky because there was, there was starting then, an explosion in the quality of non-alcoholic beer. Huh. And, you know, at the beginning, I won't name names, but there, <laughs> the choice was limited and bad. Right, and now it's actually more than I can encompass. Right, it's like it's like if you're a wine aficionado and you can't decide which cab from California you want. There's a huge variety of non-alcoholic beer. Now, I have a, a friend who, on the weekends, generally starts drinking beer at like noon. Sure, and doesn't you know he's not knocking them back, but he you know by dinner he's probably had four or five beers, and I say you know what. Just alternate non-alcoholic, alcoholic, non, like without, for one thing, I don't think you'd notice that much. And for another, you've suddenly halved your alcohol intake. So I, I'm sorry, I can't really directly answer your question no, you about um, young people. Um, but, you know, it's it's those people that are tempted to have the third or fourth drink, which, you know, as everybody knows, once you've had two, it's a lot easier to think the third would be great. Um, and how many of us and-
1: come up like like real talk, Jay, like how many of us even, you know, come home like, you know, and and you know, you, you've had a big night, and you've been out at the Christmas party and, and you get home and, and you know, it's 130 in the morning and the Uber drops you off and you go in and you, pat, and you pour yourself a glass of wine. Like, what are we doing? You know, I think these are these yeah. are the bad habits. I'll be honest, like I want to be up front like I've had more, and sometimes it's booze for me and sometimes it's Halloween candy. But Waking up, you know, waking up and finding six or eight or 10 wrappers of little Halloween candies on the coffee table. And you're like, well, you know, it's like, what am I doing right now? And and I think it's important to have these better understandings of how we can invest in ourselves and our own health by stopping some of the just the dumb things that we do that we know are harmful.
5: And I, I totally agree. It's hard in the moment. And then think when and this is the challenge with the risks for dementia okay, now we're talking about something that's not going to maybe affect you for 20 years or 30 years. Yeah. So I think it's really critical that somehow that incentive becomes more central to people. And like, you're you're probably going to feel better and be healthier anyway from in the day-to-day. Guaranteed. And and yet, you, you know, you're... And then, you know, when you have kids, as you do, you think, you know, like um, dementia... I, I really would like to make sure that when I'm older, I I do whatever I can right now yeah. to make sure I don't have it. And, um, you know, may I just say one other quick thing? You can say a hundred things no, if you want. It's not just on the benefit for you, me, and anybody who takes up some of this risk reduction uh, behavior. The, the, the pressure on caregivers is unreal. And caregivers are, you know, depressed and overworked. It's really, really a hard job. And of course, the healthcare system, as we all know, is under incredible stress now. And uh, Although it's mostly COVID or has been COVID, there's no doubt that caring for people living with dementia has been a huge stress on the healthcare system. So by doing, by doing some of this risk reduction, we're not just benefiting ourselves or benefiting our families, caregivers and even the healthcare system. So, you know, I, I fail to see any downside to this at all. We do
1: know. Uh, I mean, research, I think we've known for for quite some time. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Uh, but, you know, with regards to cannabis um, experts in, in particular in brain development have suggested the, the later that a young person waits to try cannabis, you know, if at all, um, you know, the better. And I've seen it suggested that, you know, it's better if you wait till you're 18. It's better if you wait till you're 21. It's better if you wait till you're 25 uh, because there are implications on, on brain development. We're relative. We're still relatively new uh, when it comes to legal cannabis in Canada. It's hard to believe it's been five years already, but I digress. So, so it's been legal for five years, but still, we don't have a ton, do we, of, of information or understanding on the long-term implications of, of prolonged yeah. cannabis use on the brain?
5: This is, um, it, this is one of the many difficulties in studying um, dementia because uh, you know for one thing, once people have dementia and you want to collect personal history and you're depending on their memory, it's going to be very hard to ascertain whether what they're saying is actually true. Um, uh, I should be talking about sleep and diet too, but anyway, um, let me just get back to this. You're absolutely right. It, it just hasn't been around long enough To be able to do the kind of long-term study that you'd want and really uh, five years let's say we've got a cohort of um, kids that uh, started uh, you know either vaping or smoking or whatever and using edibles Um, we're going to have to wait for definitive evidence probably going to have to wait until they're seniors before we can get any idea whether there's any impact whatsoever um The thing I guess that might be at the back of researchers' minds would be that if kids are uh, using cannabis at the same time that they're getting their max or should be getting their maximum benefit from education as a risk reduction, uh, is there going to be some interaction between that? But, you know, we, we won't know that for decades.
1: Hey, before we let you, and Jay, I know that, um, uh, you're, you're doing a lot of interviews and, uh, obviously you're a national spokesperson for this initiative. Again, we want to direct people to Canada.ca slash dementia. If they want to learn more about, about, about the disease and, and about the reality, how it's impacting Canadians, I'm blown away to hear you suggest that we're expected to see up to, you know, from 600 to 900,000 cases over the next, what, seven years, uh, the yeah. types of dementia and what you can do. Uh, this is really important to Canada.ca slash dementia. Um uh, but, but. If you have a second, I would love to hear you talk about food and sleep. Um, I, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm I, I don't am I want to be a BS artist. And I sit here and I'm going to look you in the face and say, we all know that sleep is important. And then Johnny's going to call me out as soon as we say goodbye, because Johnny knows that I probably slept three hours last night, which is true. Same. Because I was binge watching something. Same. That, that's <laughs> I got the new Peaky Blinders season and I'm watching every single episode and I'm writing letters to be anyway. I digress. We know things are good for us, but we don't always do them. Why is it so important? What's the most compelling reason to get those seven or eight hours of sleep? And 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 by the way, what what should we be? I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say fish oil and maybe some other things into our diet.
5: Well, you know, what's interesting about what I the risks that I've been talking to you about is that they're the consensus of a huge number of scientists pulled together by The Lancet, the great UK medical journal and they've issued two reports, one in 2017, one in 2020. So the risks, and they added three new risks in that three-year time. I'm anticipating there'll be another one in, this year. And uh, a recent report suggested finding no impact of diet, which really surprised me because there's even a diet called the Alzheimer's diet. Um, but then you see, it's not, it may not be an immediate effect the Alzheimer's diet may lower blood pressure, it may reduce the risk of diabetes, and you add those up and they're they're both risks for dementia. So by having a diet like that, you're having an indirect effect. Sleep, uh, at least uh, animal experiments have suggested that sleep is critical for flushing out the uh, toxic proteins that accumulate in in Alzheimer's. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that maybe in the 2023 report, A couple more risks will be added um alzheimer's researchers that i know say it's not just hearing aids cataracts too any anything that impedes the quality of your vision may turn out to be a risk and why is that i think um ryan that overall any reduction of incoming sensory information whether it's your social group whether it's the the mental act of playing hockey, which is different from the mental act of sitting here talking to you, whether it's any of these things, hearing, sight, maybe even touch, who knows? The, The studies haven't been done, but it wouldn't surprise me if vision suddenly gets on the stage along with hearing and that anything we can do to enhance both as people get older will help prevent dementia.
1: It's wonderful to see your face, my man, and uh, wishing you all the best in 2023. Did you have a laid-back, quiet holiday season? What did yours look like?
5: Well, I did have to fly from Toronto to Calgary on New Year's Eve, so oh. um, that does that answer your question? It
1: sounds like what a nightmare right now. Yeah, I, there, There's two groups yeah. of people, I think, uh, those that had a peaceful and calm holiday season and those that traveled.
5: <laughs> so um, travel? I mean, I like. turned off of travel. Oh, at least air travel.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
5: It, it's just too much anyway hey I uh, hope you had a good holiday too and uh, maybe we'll talk soon about something completely different well
1: I would like last time you were on the show you were talking about your anthropomania podcast and and we can steer people there as well anthropomaniacom uh, which is a super cool show uh, exploring the complex relationship between humans and wildlife around us I encourage people to check that out you and your esteemed colleague joined us before and we'd love to get you back to talk weird and wacky science come in here and just blow our minds maybe join us in studio sometime jay
5: that'd be that'd be great i'll make a trip to edmonton even though i'm i understand that of the 100 top restaurants in canada 11 are in calgary and none are in edmonton I,
1: what's I this bullshit are <laughs> is this is this for real i don't even know what you're <laughs> talking about
5: is. Now, the fact that you're in Edmonton <laughs> and refused to cover that story, I, I don't know if there's a connection there, but we've been trying to bury it, but I'm, a, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm a
5: Calgary kid.
1: So in a way I can, I can I feel this sense of pride, but uh, I know I do. Is that, that's really a thing.
5: That's really a, the hundred best. I forget who. I mean, you can Google it easily. Hundred best restaurants in Canada. Eleven were in. I mean, most of them are in Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, of course.
1: Yes, of course, but, sure, um, sure. And
5: and you know, as a Calgarian, I don't really believe it either. I think there are lots of good restaurants in both cities. So there you go. Wow. I, hey, I lived in Edmonton. I went to University of Alberta. I know and, you did. I'm fond of Edmonton.
1: I know you did. Oh, my! you just blew my, you just, you just knocked my socks off. I don't know what I'm going to do. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to plan a, uh, we're, we'll, we'll plan a little restaurant tour and we'll do like, you know, <laughs> st- starters here, tapas there. We'll move on yeah, to yeah, salads somewhere. Um, I was, I was going to say like cocktails here, wine there, but then I think that kind of goes against the whole thing we just talked about. Doesn't
5: it? No, we're going to be eating pulses. We'll like lentils. Eat,
1: we'll eat lentils uh, marinated in, in fish oil, and we'll we'll check out all the best mocktails going, and, yep. and, and we'll and, yep. and we'll all improve our brain health together. Uh, you can find Jay Ingram on Twitter. I, I implore you to follow him at Jay Ingram. He's a fascinating follow and a wonderful friend of Real Talk. We'll talk to you again soon, pal. Thanks a lot, Brian. Yeah, bye you bye. bet. No rest. It's, yeah. I'm not. This is news to me. Hey, Am I the only one that didn't know about I'm this? I'm angered. I'm angered by this. Like, we got... Uh, <laughs> We got a whole bunch.
2: Big I mean. one on the sleep there, though. That uh, Wow, what a big factor. Like my partner, Jatinder, sleep for her, like it's a whole thing. She starts getting ready at 8.30. Really? Oh, yeah. Sets the heat to whatever temperature, gets the bed ready, the lighting. You know, she'll have some magnesium or a tea. Like this is at 8.30. This is about an hour, hour and a half before she goes to bed. She'll get a heating pad ready. And it's very rare that she's not asleep by 9.30, 10 o'clock. Every single
1: night. So how does and that I, jive with your lifestyle? It, it doesn't. Well, does. it's A professional I'm, DJ. It's one of
2: the things I'm trying to change in 2023. And uh, so this week, on Tuesday, I uh, got to bed... No, I came home Tuesday. I had a nap. This is the horrible thing you, you shouldn't do. You should have all your sleep at once. So I had a two hour nap when I got home, got up again, couldn't get back to sleep until like 1, two in the morning, got another four hours, got up and came to work. felt like crap. Last night, I got into bed at about 10 45, 11 and I feel incredible. I had a straight mm. seven hours last night, right? So sleep is like my wife is like her she just she's higher functioning because she gets her sleep. The same time every day, even on the weekends, right? Unless we go out and do something, she's in bed
1: every night, 9, 930. I've started to follow all these, uh, you know, like, I mean, the way that algorithms work and everything, and, and you know, I've started to follow all these, not, not like self-help gurus, but just people that are actually To be honest, kind of the people that would annoy you a little bit in real life. You want to make the most of your life. You want to find 10 easy (laughs) habits to turn your life around and find more success. And you're like, all right, Anthony Robbins, like, (laughs) you know, lay off the gas pedal. But, but also... Um, I I kind of do want to know the ten things completely, <laughs> you know. And so I've started to follow some of these these people on social media, and um, and, and like take it or leave it, and and some of the stuff you know is more doable than the other stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But I but like one of the things that always comes back to is sleep schedules sleep, yeah. and resting your brain, and mm-hmm. and how it trans I know this seems obvious. But to people like me, and I think you, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like we need to be reminded that it's not just that you drag your ass a bit in the morning, or it's not just that you're tired, so you're going to drink more coffee, or you're going to crush a couple energy drinks, or you're going to whatever, but it impacts like subtle things like the quality of your decision-making or your emotional response to things or like your resting state, how you treat other people. Maybe the, the like for something like me, like one of the things I do that, that my, my family members and in particular, my amazing wife has has gently pointed out to me over the years is I have a lot of like unintentional, well, my, That's my word for it. But I don't realize like some of the facial expressions that I'll put out, you know, and people will be like, why are you in such a bad or why are you being so critical or why are you coming at this so hot? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. They're like, well, you look super pissed off. And I sometimes wonder, is it to do? Does it have anything to do with the fact that I had three and a half hours or four hours of sleep last night? And the answer is probably.
2: But I also think like you and me, and this isn't like me trying to pump our tires, but we are kind of higher functioning individuals in that way like we can do four hours of sleep and then come into work and still nail it right sure and there's a lot of people who push for that like those people you're talking about with success like you hear all these people and uh, these are bad examples but like donald trump says he he only sleeps four hours his whole entire life that's why he's so successful. steve harvey i remember the talk show host when i was watching one time said hey we all know someone who loves sleep and are they as successful as your friends who don't sleep as much he's a big guy who says he only sleeps five hours a night but it's a detriment to your
1: health. I love what you're I love what you're saying about Jatinder's nighttime she sort of sounds like she has it all together but like the nighttime routine right?
2: Like we get in arguments about it where she's like no Stop what you're doing now. I'm in my. I'm shutting down, right? And you're like,
1: turn the TV off, please. I'm turn like, look the music at this
2: documentary. <laughs> look at what we're <laughs> yeah. having on the show yes. tomorrow. And she's like, no, I'm coming down. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: And I've always admired. I, like I've I've never I've never admired these folks enough to emulate them, but I've always admired the people that that get the like you know they have like their essential oils going they've got the humidifier this on they, her, they do they have the eye cream and they they you know mm-hmm. they make sure that they, they don't just brush their teeth they floss mm-hmm. and they you know all these things that, you know couples that go to bed together that read in bed together that's another like,
2: reason we're trying to do this cuz she always goes to bed before me and then i come in at like you know 11, 30, 12 1 2 and I disrupt her sleep, right? Yeah. So she would rather have me go to sleep with her. And and you're right about all that stuff. Like, she doesn't have to spend money on crazy eye creams. She already looks well-rested because she's been doing you're this smart man, for John years, Hicks. right? You're so, a smart man. But I think it's all about, it's you know, you try and balance everything. Like, there are going to be days where you're going to not get enough sleep, right? Yeah. But if those days outnumber the days when you get even five, six, seven hours sleep, then... That's when it starts to
1: hurt. Artie missing in our live chat says, Martha Stewart apparently used to, or claims that she sleeps three hours a night. Um, I always think, though, I, I look at someone, like, you know, the president of the United States, doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter who occupies that office. You're but, only
2: going to sleep three but, hours a but night.
1: Yeah, but, but I mean, even those... You know, people that, that have or, or, you know, the CEO of these Fortune 500 companies or whatever. And it's like if they can find time in their schedule to sleep six hours or seven hours, we should be able to find the time. Right. Well, 80s even- Fanify on the live chat says I have a health tracker to keep track of these metrics. Um, some mornings I'm afraid to see what it says to me about my sleep says I'm afraid it's judging me. If you missed. um, How's this for a promo? But in all seriousness, really neat stuff. The Leading Edge, every Tuesday on our show, presented by Leading Edge Physiotherapy, we feature uh, a new wearable fitness tracker that's uh, expected to transform. I had no idea that apparently a lot of these are... are, you know, Speaking of POTUS and, and, and Joe mm-hmm. Biden, malarkey, a lot of these wearable fitness trackers actually aren't that accurate, and, and yeah. people in the medical community are speaking out, saying folks are making decisions about their personal health based on feedback or data that might not actually be accurate. So it's something we put on your radar just this past Tuesday. You can check it out on Tuesday's the show. The EV
2: ring, right? Which is a high-quality one. Super I, cool. I was reading an article about this, too. You can go on Amazon right now and get like a basically like an iWatch, but a fitness tracker for like $25. Yeah. But is that going to be as accurate as something like the Eevee? For for sure, it's not going to be.
1: Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you this. We we touched on it. This is a dark and morbid question. Uh, I was mentioning it to Jay. If you could know the date of your death and or. This is like the the,
2: movie, Don't Look Up.
1: And or the cause of your death. (laughs) Would you want to know it? Would you want to know right now what your last day was going to be?
2: I guess, but then you're going to change course no matter when it is totally and what it is totally because it's going to be like we look at the main reasons people die. You know, it's usually heart disease, cancer, these things. So you're automatically going to do a a 180 no matter what. Yeah, like if it told me I was
1: going to live till 85, then I would eat prime rib every single day. But then I probably wouldn't live till 85. (laughs) But they'd be like, no offense to prime rib. You're
2: going to die at 71 from this. Okay. I'm getting nine hours of sleep a night. I'm I think change everything
1: yeah I think we should I think we should put it out that's gonna be I will put it out real talkers you have my word we'll make it a twenty four hour unofficial unscientific Twitter poll I'll put it out if you ha- if you were offered the choice, would you want to know the date and or cause of your death that would be another thing mm-hmm. like you know the date of your death you want to know the cause because mm-hmm. you again you change of course it's like the movie sliding doors too like Mm-hmm. If your cause of death on that day is you're going to be hit by a bus, you're not leaving the house. So, yeah. In,
2: in the movie Don't Look Up, I just rewatched it. Of course, Leonardo DiCaprio, amazing flick on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, there's like a Steve Jobs-esque kind of guy who runs Bash Cellular, and he's developed the technology, the same thing you're talking about. So he analyzes everyone's health patterns. He knows exactly how they're going to die and how. <laughs>
1: I love these types of conversations. I love it. This is this is this is the stuff that I I don't know. I just I just really like picking people's brains on this conversation with Jay Ingram was presented by our friends at Friesen Brothers, who want to remind you right now about their new family essentials. Friesen Brothers focus on unique food experiences. Fresh food and family meal solutions. And with the new year, the new Family Essentials now offers easy family meal solutions with a great price per serving. Still blows my mind that their Christmas dinners were $15 a person. Like, it doesn't even make any sense to do anything else. Fed four people for 60 bucks. Anyway, I digress. Here we are in the new year. Every month, Friesen Brothers is going to introduce new family meal solutions using family essentials products. That's easy, interesting recipes, new and old favorites. Most importantly, all the meals can be made using the products from the family essentials flyer. And you can find that online at Friesen.com. They even have new recipe videos that you can watch to see how easy they are to follow. There's more information At Freezen.com. That's where you can find all their recipes as well. Freezen Brothers is Alberta growing and Alberta owned. So is the team at Eden Landscaping. You know, they've been operating for more than 20 years, family owned, bringing outdoor spaces to life. And I ask Mike all the time, we just really value that partnership. Just great uh, business operating with integrity. We say, what do you want us to tell people through the winter months? He goes, well, just remind them of the perfect project takes time. Uh, It doesn't mean that they can't go pedal to the metal to make sure that your project's done when you need it. But all the planning that goes into it, pulling the permits, making sure that the design is done and ready to go ordering the construction materials can sometimes take weeks or months, especially with an unpredictable supply chain. That's why you're going to want to go to landscapeedmonton.ca today to get the ball rolling so your outdoor space is brought to life in perfect fashion come this summer. It's never too soon to start thinking about the summer. Also, a new promo code from our friends at Park Power. I got a tweet yesterday from somebody that said, hey, is there going to be a new promo code for 2023? Not only is the answer yes, but also, John, it's an even better deal. Wow. The new promo code, in effect... At parkpower.ca is Realtalk23, all one word, and it's a bundling promo code. So what does that mean? Well, when you sign up for two or more services from Park Power, internet, electricity, natural gas, okay, and use that promo code Realtalk23, you'll receive $50 off your first bill for every service you choose. So put it this way, if you go with Park Power for internet, electricity, and natural gas and use the promo code REALTALK23 on their website, parkpower.ca. They're gonna knock $150 off your first bill from Park Power. How amazing is that? Speaking of saving money at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, they wanna remind you, a friendly reminder that January is the perfect month to fill your freezer, to stock up on dilly bars and DQ sandwiches. Why? because they're two for one right now that's right boxes of six these are some of the most popular dairy queen treats going the dq sandwich the classic and the dilly bars buy a box of six Get a box of six absolutely free, no strings attached, at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. That's the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. You make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. And before we get to an update on Damar Hamlin, before we get to a couple of your emails, we wanted to also remind you that you have an opportunity to share with us your good news stories, the personal experience you had or, or something that you saw in the news or on social media that really changed changed your day that that sort of infused some optimism into your week it's positive reflections our monday tradition here on the show and that's presented by our good friends at kubi renewable energy you know a lot of people think of residential solar energy projects and for good reason right they're doing installs in bc alberta saskatchewan and the northwest territories but don't forget that kubi also does a ton of commercial installations industrial installations and agriculture. Installations. Yeah, that's right. A lot of farms are going green with sustainable energy installs that are changing the game and keeping more money in their pockets. That's ultimately what business is all about, isn't it? You can check out the work that they're doing with farm solar panels, even some of the work that they're doing on big energy thermal installs. Like, how about hockey arenas? What about churches? What about all kinds of community league projects? Kubi does it all with their Tesla-certified installers. You can learn more at kubienergy.ca. Well, this was really encouraging to see Buffalo Bills uh, star, Tamar Hamlin, discharged from hospital. I know this is a story that you've been paying keen attention to, Johnny.
2: Yeah, so we still don't know the extent of his injuries, but it's great that he's at home resting up now Um, a lot of talk on Twitter and and news and and talk radio about how he's obviously there's a big chance he's not going to play football ever again, but it's just reminding the world kind of, uh, you know, about all the problems players have trying to live after football, dealing with CTE and things like this. And, you know, I was watching a few shows about guys talking about it and it's just, it's just crazy. The, the, the agreements, the players have, And uh, how every time they go back to the drawing board with, you know, the owners and the general managers, all those guys want to do is give them less money for situations like this, where, I mean, a lot of people think athletes are overpaid, but I think in the NFL, it's one place they're not, because it's such a violent sport. It's a sport where you're literally, something like this could happen, and you could be in a bed or in a coma or something like that. And you well, the
1: average f- career in the NFL is like three years.
2: Yeah. It's so short and it's, yeah.
1: So, and then the price you pay, right? Like what we're learning more about, about CTE and brain injuries. W- what about things like hips and knees and, and all of the things it's that the majority guys of players will live with. They so,
2: retire with injuries that are lifelong. So.
1: Football is, and, and Andrew Walker, who hosts the Hedge, obviously would be more qualified to talk about this. But, but football really is professional football. Number one, the biggest sport in 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 America's, North America for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, I saw a graph that was showing all of the top television tuning and isn't it funny how this is becoming more and more sort of irrelevant or, or obsolete you talked about the golden globes as well and the ratings are almost at an all-time low and mm-hmm. you kind of think yeah but people stream it later when it comes to live tuning sports is always going to own it because it's what's happening now and that's why advertisers will obviously, yeah. obviously pay top dollar for something like the super bowl because nobody wants to pvr the super bowl and watch it a week later mm-hmm. uh, but the nfl also essentially like writes its own ticket and, and you could argue that the professional athletes, those that play in the NFL, are the least protected. For example, their contracts, there's no contract security. It's why a lot of players will want to be paid a little bit less and receive the huge signing bonuses mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League, as an example. If you sign a guy to a seven-year contract, you've got two options. You can either pay the contract. I, I guess there are exceptions, like Evander Kane is, is one example. Yeah. But you can either pay the contract out over the course of those seven years, or you can buy that contract out, and there are implications for the player and salary cap implications for the team. But mm-hmm. the player's going to get their money for the most part. Yeah. In the NFL, a guy has three bad weeks. It's not They can tear up his deal. Yeah. The deal only states what that athlete will be paid at the games they play.
2: Exactly, and, and Tracy just asked here on the live chat, do pro athletes have insurance for these sorts of long-term life-changing injuries? I'll just play like 30 seconds of this clip. This sure. guy on a talk show just kind of describes what is different about the NFL in terms of when things like this happen.
4: He been in the league two years. That means he's not vested. That means if he never plays another down in his life, he don't get another check for the NFL. Let's be clear about this. You got to play three to four years before you even sniff a pension. So all this heartwarming and prayers and condolences don't do nothing for that boy's mom that, that got to go home, look at her son and he might need extensive care for the rest of his life. And you know what the NFL will tell you? Well, you know, um, you know, we'll, we'll look out for the people like him. No, you won't. No, you won't. Let's talk about the disability policy for the NFL, right? They moved it from $22,000 a month to $4,000 in the last collective bargaining agreement. Did you know that DNFL has a private board that reviews all aspects with their doctors and with, and with their neurologists and their specialists? They can deny benefits even if Social Security deems you to be permanently disabled, the league can come back and then say, you know, the, national go- the government is, a, you know, they're, they're experts, but let's take it over so we don't pay anything out only 15% get approved by social security the league says that number should be lower get that 15% of the people who apply for disability in this country i know i was a, i was a disability expert it's very low i submitted over almost 250,000 applications in one year one time i know since the cte settlement only six and a half percent of the settlement has been paid, according to the admin's website. I looked it up yesterday, and sixty percent of the claims have a qualifying diagnosis but have not been paid. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. They're also moving to pension, and that pension he got to make it to fifty-five. He's twenty-four.
1: So
2: there you
4: go. There's hey, hey, yeah,
1: thirty, 30 years like, out from a pension. It's just if, like, if he's even qualified for it yet. The numbers are just really bad. That's money talking, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's that's ultimately a league that holds the power. And this is the
3: the
2: they make so much billion. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars. And then when something like this this happens, they give you two grand a month or whatever. Yeah. Like, and you may be living in a bed, like hooked up to a machine for the rest of your life that's yeah. yeah
1: yeah i mean you know and and you know tracy for example in our chat says remember all career paths have risk and reward there are choices i mean sure you know tracy says and someone might criticize some of the pro athlete. she chooses Connor mcdavid to use as an example for taking endorsement deals Says he gets on the ice. Someone tries to take out his knee again. Let the guy earn money when he can. He's 25.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But Conor McDavid's one. Okay, fine.
5: But I'm just saying Conor
1: McDavid's going to make 20 million. He makes 12 and a half from the Oilers U.S. Mm -hmm. He he makes tons from endorsement. Let's say let's estimate. I don't even know. I'm just talking out of my ass. He probably makes 20 million a year. Probably ish approximately. Okay. It's a little bit different. Um, We didn't anticipate on having this conversation. We don't have to get too into it. But but like what about the athletes that that. Just that that live the dream and they they make it and and they make it and they get drafted coffee, and they're there for a moment, cup of coffee yeah. and and maybe they make the league minimum of seven hundred fifty thousand a year which is by the way a fantastic salary mm-hmm. if you're making seven hundred fifty a year you're making a fantastic salary but if your career is only three or four years mm-hmm. let's say your career now of course you can go get another job like the rest of us unless
2: you're permanently injured from. Right, that's your
1: career, right? So. so yeah, interesting comments. Interesting comments on how we value athletes, on how we how we treat them like commodities. Um, the future for Demar Hanlon, like you said, remain to be determined. He could have a story, uh, a remarkable comeback story that would see him play again, that would see him win a Super Bowl. Uh, perhaps he'll have a career in media, in television. But the fact of the matter is, right now, uh, it's that's wonderful. Highly news. unlikely. It's wonderful news that he's out of the hospital,
2: and it's good that he's propelled. The- This incident was horrible, but it's propelling these conversations that could affect change, which is which is great. Yeah, we're all worried about the guy. But for now, it's great that he's home. He's breathing. He's alive, so.
1: Good stuff. Thanks for keeping an eye on that story for us, Johnny. We'll get to your emails on vaccines and organ transplants on tomorrow's show, and we wanted to give you a heads up. I'm really looking forward to this. Of course, you know, every Friday, our Real Talk Roundtable is presented by our friends at Urban Timber, who, as an aside, have done a ton of fundraising for Alzheimer's research. Everything kind of works together, doesn't it? Everything comes together in circumstances like this. Darren Cunningham, one of the owners of Urban Timber, lost his mom to Alzheimer's, and they've done amazing heavy lifting in awareness and fundraising there. Our Real Talk Roundtable on Friday's show will feature three recipients of the Edify Magazine Edifier Awards. We're going to sit with three of them and understand what makes them tick These are business leaders, leaders of charitable organizations, individuals of varying ages that are being celebrated for their work in making our home city of Edmonton an even better place to call home. You don't have to live in Edmonton to be inspired by their stories. Plus, trash talk by local environmental services. You still have time to send us your rant to talk at ryanjesperson.com.
0: Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepherd, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson.